Welcome to Casting Hope, a sermon podcast of Hope Presbyterian Church in Columbus, Ohio. My name is Joe Hack, lead pastor at Hope, and we are so glad you're listening in wherever you are. In this moment of social distancing, we hope that our audio and streaming resources meet you where you are at and help you stay connected to God and to His promises. So we are continuing our fall series called Resolute, Tenacious Faith for Tumultuous Times. These are tumultuous times, as we've been saying, but it helps to know that this is nothing new. For most of church history and for most of redemptive history, tumult is the norm, not the exception. And so we've been learning from God's people across all the ages how to hang on to God, not just when times are easy, but when times are hard. Last week we looked at the Gospel of Luke at the very end when Jesus appears on the Emmaus Road. And this week we will look shortly after that period uh, in the book of Acts. In fact, the book of Acts, I don't know if you know this, is written also by Luke. So that actually the book of Acts is really part two of Luke's Gospel. In fact, uh, theologians call it Luke Acts because really it was just one piece uh, in two scrolls. It's like part one and part two. It's just he had a lot to write. And so Acts is written by Luke. It's a continuation of Luke's gospel so that we really ought to say this is uh, Luke part two. The first few verses of Acts actually say, In the first book, if you take a look down, verse 1, in the first book, that's the Gospel of Luke, O Theophilus, that's who he's writing to, a man named Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. Hang on to that phrase, until the day he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So Luke divides his two scrolls, between one event when he was taken up. That's called the ascension, when he was taken up, where Jesus ascends to God's right hand. And that's what we're going to be exploring this morning, uh, which I'm excited to do because the ascension doesn't really get much airtime in the church. But Luke clearly thought it was important. He clearly thought it was important. And actually, so did most of the early church. And so could the ascension be a key to tenacious faith during tumultuous times? Well, let's take a look. Once again, look at verse 3 of Acts chapter 1. I'll read and then you can follow along. This is God's word. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, for it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up 
and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men, which are angels, stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is God's word. Let's just pray briefly before we get started. Oh Lord, would the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and redeemer. And Holy Spirit, come. We need you to empower my message and to open the eyes of all of our hearts so that this would not just be informational, but transformational. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, recently I did a deep clean of my garage um, in order to set up a home office. I mean, I actually Murphy's oiled the floor of my garage. I, and as I was cleaning, uh, I kept finding things that I forgot that I owned. So, for instance, I started organizing my tools. And it turns out I have some really great tools. Uh, like, I have a Dremel. I have a precision jigsaw. Uh, and here's the thing. I knew I had these things, but I didn't know I had these things. They were out of sight, out of mind. And that's how I feel when I started studying this passage on the Ascension. Because in the Ascension, I discovered a spiritual resource that I knew I had, but I didn't know I had. I knew about the Ascension, but like my jigsaw, it was tucked away and it was gathering dust. And so first of all, you might be asking, what is the Ascension? Well, it's when Jesus uh, is lifted up, as we saw and is seated at the right hand of God's throne in heaven. As the Apostles' Creed puts it, Jesus ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Does that sound familiar? Uh, But how many of us draw on this truth for our daily life? And I'm guessing not many of you do. I know that I don't. I don't often draw on or think on the ascension when I think about Jesus. I mean, I'm willing to bet most of us think of Jesus' miracles when we think of Jesus, or his interactions with people when we think about Jesus, or his finished work of the cross, even his resurrection. But his ascension? I don't know. I'm I'm guessing that we don't think about it and draw on it all too often. But when we do this, we are missing out. In fact, the early church would be shocked that we don't talk about it more. Because for them, the ascension was the climax of Jesus' ministry. We've demoted the ascension to junior varsity. But the ascension is not just like on the varsity team. The ascension might well be the starting player of the varsity team. Um, The theologian Ian Paul pointed this out to me, and actually I need to give him credit for a lot of what we're going to look at this morning. Uh, He points to how John, Paul, Peter, and Luke all see the ascension as utmost. They all see the ascension as the climax of what Jesus came to do. And so in the most famous sermon ever preached at Pentecost, just a few chapters, well, one chapter after what we just read, um, Peter preaches a sermon, and he concludes his sermon. The climax of his sermon uh, is the ascension of Jesus. And so just listen to Peter in Acts 2, 32. He says, This Jesus God raised up, 
And of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God. That's the ascension. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you've crucified. So Peter in this sermon is saying, this is it. This is, this is Jesus. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He has been lifted up and, and has received all authority at the right hand of God. And then listen to Paul, the Apostle Paul. This is his letter to Philippians chapter 2. You might be very familiar with this passage. But what strikes me about this, it's a summary of the work of Jesus. It's a summary of, of, of Jesus. It's like a, a gospel tract that, that, that Paul uh, writes for the Philippians. And so it starts in verse 8 of chapter 2. You can listen or turn there. Philippians 2, 8. He says, And being found in human form, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. There's the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, Kyrios, King, to the glory of God the Father. That's the ascension. When, when Jesus is highly exalted, at God's right hand. That's the ascension. And so for Paul, when he summarizes the work of Jesus, he goes cross ascension, which might be surprising for those of us who don't really think of the ascension that much. And then Peter makes a big deal about it. We saw Paul makes a big deal about, about it. That's probably because Jesus makes a big deal about it. In fact, when he appears to Mary in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, listen to what Jesus tells her. And you can follow along if you want. John 20, verse 17. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Do you hear it? Ascension. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And as I've already pointed out, Luke obviously thinks it's a big deal too. But Luke does more than just record this event, the ascension, for us. He does more than that. He actually is inviting us to draw on it, to draw on it. He wants the church, he wants the disciples to see the ascension and then to live in light of it. Does that make sense? So in the ascension, the image I want you to have is a dusty power tool rediscovered in the garage. And what Luke wants you to do is plug it in and use it, especially right now. And so what would that look like? What does the ascension mean for you? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for Hope Church? It means a lot of things, but two staggering truths I want to explore this morning with you. The first is this, that Jesus entrusts us with his mission. The ascension means, as he is raised up, he is essentially saying to the church, to you and to me, I am entrusting you. With what I started. That's number one. And number two. It means that Jesus empowers us. For that very same mission. He entrusts us for the mission. 
He empowers us for his mission. So let's look at both in turn. First, Jesus entrusts us with his mission. Um, Look at verse 1 at the book of Acts. Luke says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. I love that detail. Began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, which is the ascension. So the gospel of Luke is all that Jesus began to do. The gospel of Luke. When we read the gospel of Luke and we read about Jesus' birth, we read about Jesus' ministry, we read about the crucifixion, we read about the resurrection, then we're seeing all that Jesus began to do, according to Luke. What that implies then is that the book of Acts is all that he continues to do. Do you see it? Jesus ascends to heaven and essentially says, hey, apostles and church, complete and finish what I started. Complete and finish what I started. He is entrusting us with what he started. He wants to work through his people. See, the ascension means that Jesus entrusts us with an impossible thing, which will do two things to us. Number one, it will keep us humble. And number two, it will make us confident. I think this gives the Christian a unique posture, as Timothy Keller puts it, a a humble boldness. We have a humble boldness because we have been entrusted with his mission. We're first humble because Jesus is entrusting you and me for what he started in the Gospels. That's mind-boggling. One scholar describes the apostles here as an ill-equipped team of incompetence. Isn't that the church? An ill-equipped team of incompetence. And Jesus is essentially saying to us, Yeah, you will be my witnesses. You will take what I started to Jerusalem all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, he says. This is profoundly humbling because we know that we are not Jesus. We are far from it. And yet he entrusts us with his mission. But it should make us confident. So we're humble for sure. But we should be super confident by this because Jesus ascended to God's right hand and says, Now go, therefore, go in my, in my ascension, basically. We should have confidence in his authority, Jesus wants us to have that kind of confidence Um, and to understand what Jesus is doing when he ascends to heaven in verse 9. We need to understand Daniel chapter 7 verses 13 through 14. In it, the prophet Daniel gave Israel a comforting image. And I'll just read the text. It says, behold, with the clouds of heaven, clouds of heaven. Now, where do we see clouds in our text? Remember, the clouds took Jesus away. And so in Daniel, it says the clouds of heaven There came one like the Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. That was a comforting prophecy, a comforting image from Daniel to Israel, because it meant that God's people will one day be restored to this. That God's people will one day be restored to their kingdom, and it will be done by this so-called Son of Man. Now, Jesus loved to call himself Son of Man. 
And so when Jesus comes and he rides on a cloud and what we just read in verse 9, this prophecy of Daniel is being fulfilled, which is showing us that all authority and dominion and kingdom has been delivered to him. And we are his and we are a part of his kingdom. And that ought to make us bold. That ought to give us a confidence. Jesus is showing his, he's showing his disciples, his apostles, listen, I am receiving all authority. Go in confidence and complete my mission. It's interesting when Stephen is being stoned to death in chapter, just a few chapters later in the book of Acts, Stephen is being stoned to death for his faith. What sustains him is an image of Jesus at the right hand of God. Stephen knew Jesus was king. Stephen knew he belonged to King Jesus. And that made him confident. So we can be confident in his authority. We can also be confident in his love. The ascension means we can be confident in his deep love. Because Jesus is at God's right hand interceding for us. I want you to listen to the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews tells us in chapter 4, verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. There's the ascension. It's coming up all over the place. Um, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast. Hold fast. That's tenacious faith that we've been talking about. Let us hold fast to our confession. So the book of Hebrews, the logic is we have a great high priest who has ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of, of, of God. Therefore, we can hold fast. We can have a tenacious faith. Why? Verse 15. We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us sin with confidence, with boldness, draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. Because Jesus is at God's right hand, we have a king in heaven with all authority, but we also have a priest in heaven with all sympathy. We have a king in heaven with all authority, and we have a priest in heaven with all sympathy. The throne of God is here in Hebrews described as the throne of grace. Because Jesus understands our struggles. He died for our struggles. And he is rooting for us, praying for us at God's right hand. His throne of authority is a throne of grace. Because we, and because of that, we can be confident in his love. We can do his mission with boldness. Because there's nothing that can break his love for us. Yeah, he gives us us incompetence, his mission, but that's because he's the high priest in heaven interceding for us. And then I think the ascension can make us confident in his return. So his authority, his love, but also his return. In verse 11, that's what the angels say to the disciples. Jesus is going to come back the way that he left. If you look at verse 11, Jesus is at God's right hand, which means that we can have confidence that evil, brokenness, and death will not have the final word. That should give us confidence. The mission we're on is going to win. It's going to win. We are taking part on a winning team because Jesus is at God's right hand. Yeah, that makes us humble, but it makes us bold, doesn't it? You might have heard me share my Wimbledon story before. Um, 
I lose track of how many times I've shared it because it's one of my favorite experiences really ever. Uh, when I was in college, I traveled to England uh, to backpack the hostels in, uh, in England. And on one Sunday afternoon, I noticed uh, through the door of a pub on the TV that the Wimbledon was going on. Now, I played tennis and um, somehow didn't connect the dots that I was in London at the same day of the championship of this great tournament. And so I decided to just, on a whim, take the train to Wimbledon. And um, even though I smelled bad, I remember hostels, and even though I had a huge backpack, and even though I, this is the most important detail, I didn't have a ticket, I just decided to go towards Wimbledon. Well, as I arrived, this really nice lady asked me um, how I've enjoyed the tournament so far. I told her I had no ticket. I haven't really been enjoying the tournament at all. Um, And so she gave me hers. She gave me hers. I figured her ticket was terrible, but it was just a few rows from the net in the center court. And I could see the royal box from my seat. I knew I smelled bad. (laughs) I knew I didn't look the part. I bet if people were watching the tournament on TV, they would, if they looked in the stands, they would probably say, what is that guy doing there? But I had her ticket. I belonged in that seat. I belonged there. She told me to find her seat and to really own it. And that's how the ascension works. Jesus has given us a ticket to his kingdom. And we can walk in and we can boldly take our place. And we can have utter and complete confidence, even if we don't feel like we fit in. Especially if we don't feel like we fit in. Jesus is at God's right hand and he says, You are a citizen of my kingdom and you are a son and a daughter of the king. The ascension should give you a humble boldness. A humble boldness. Because it means that Jesus has entrusted you with his mission. You. Do you believe that? He has entrusted you with with all of your mess-ups. And with all of your character flaws. And with your story. Jesus has entrusted you. He has enrolled you into his mission. He has said, you are the exact person. You are perfectly shaped to carry out my mission. And you might be asking, what does that look like to carry out God's mission? Well, from this text, it's really simple. We point to Jesus, not ourselves, and we look out, not up. We point to Jesus, not ourselves. That's what it means to be a witness. In verse 6, he even implies we don't need to have all the answers. He assumes we don't have all the answers. Instead, we simply bear witness to Jesus. We don't point to ourselves. We point to Jesus. We tell others about Jesus. We share with others what we have experienced with Jesus. That's it. That's it. We just point to him around others. And then we look out, not up. Uh, In verse 10, the apostles were gazing into heaven. But I love what John Stott says. He says, something was off about their gazing up into the sky when they had been commissioned to go to the ends of the earth. Their calling was to be witnesses, not stargazers. So to be on mission is to not look up in the heaven every day. 
uh, but to get involved in the lives of others and to look out where there is need. Um, sometimes we spend all of our time in church. We spend all of our time in prayer, all of our time in fellowship and in Bible studies. And we never talk to our neighbors. We never talk to the people in our life about Jesus. We never think about how to, how to be on mission with Jesus through, through both words and deeds. The angel's rebuke here is for us. Don't just look up, look out, look out. And so to be on mission, you're you're asking, how can I be on mission? It's simple. You just talk about Jesus with other people. You talk about how he is everything. You make much of him. You don't have to talk about yourself. And And you look out. You don't always look up. Which brings me to the second point. If the ascension means we're entrusted for Jesus' mission, the ascension also means that we are empowered for his mission. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria to the ends of the earth. So we're not asked to uh, to do the mission of Jesus on our own strength, but with the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Jesus says in John 16. He says to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, meaning the ascension, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Who's the helper? God, the Holy Spirit. The ascension means that Jesus goes away. But he sends us a helper, the Holy Spirit. We're not just entrusted to do an impossible mission. We're giving supernatural empowerment to do so. Isn't that amazing? Jesus says, if I go, it's to your advantage. Because then you will experience and have the empowerment of God, the Holy Spirit in your life. That's the promise that we see unfold in Acts 2 with the Pentecost. It's really the whole book of Acts is, is is the work of Jesus through the Holy Spirit in normal, broken people like you and like me. If you ever go to a lake, you'll notice two kinds of watercraft, paddle boats and sailboats. And I've shared this before. A paddle boat is self-powered and a sailboat is wind-powered. It's empowered. And that's how I like to think of the Christian life. I don't power myself and hope we do not power ourselves with our own strengths with the things that we're good at. We don't power ourselves to do that. That's living life in the flesh. And as Jack Miller likes to put it, flesh reacts to flesh. And it just becomes a mess. It becomes a total mess. But the church is an empowered thing. The church is empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are empowered, which requires a self-death. We don't trust in our own strengths But instead, we stop relying on our own strength and we pray and we pray to God and we ask for him to move. Like too many of us are doing church right now like paddle boats. We're simply paddling as hard as we can. When what we need to do is we need to lift our sails and simply say, Jesus, I don't have it today. Will you empower me? One of my heroes of the faith I just mentioned is Jack Miller. And he used to say, and I'm quoting him, the Father sends the Holy Spirit to do impossible things through us when we freely acknowledge our deep weaknesses. Did you hear that? We we are given the Holy Spirit 
when we freely acknowledge our deep weaknesses. We can do impossible things through the Holy Spirit when we freely acknowledge our deep weaknesses. He entrusts us with His impossible mission because He empowers us in our weakness. And so that's what it looks like to be empowered for the mission. Acknowledge your weakness and then ask God to do an impossible thing. The ascension, I hope you see, is not just some dry doctrine. It means that Jesus is at God's right hand and it means that He has entrusted you and me and Hope Church for His mission and He has empowered us by the Spirit for that same mission. And because Jesus is at God's right hand, we know We know that this mission will be accomplished. What an amazing invitation to you this morning. Maybe you're sitting out there this morning and you're wondering, what what is my purpose in life right now? What is it that I should be doing right now? Life just seems so upended. What do I do? What What am I supposed to be doing? Well, before you answer that question, you need to see if your trust is in Jesus, you have a mission. You've been entrusted with Jesus' mission, and you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. And that may be all you need to hear this morning to keep moving, to keep going, to keep going, to say, I have work to do. I can point to Jesus with the people I work with. I can point to Jesus with my neighbors. I can point to Jesus when I don't feel up to it because I can own my weaknesses. And it's in that moment that we are made strong. So let's pray. Lord, would you indeed empower us by your Holy Spirit in these coming weeks and months? We can't do this on our own. We are not a paddle boat, but we lift our sails and we ask for your empowerment so that we might do impossible things. Lord, we anchor ourselves in your ascension. That should make us confident. That should make us humble. But Lord, we come to you. We come to you and ask for your empowerment. And it's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about our church and for more resources like this, visit our website at hopechurchcolumbus.org.